Welcome to Victory Christian Center's audio podcast. We hope this message encourages you, and we look forward to connecting with you on social media or FCCFMD.com. I pray that you bless their children. God, I pray that you bless the work of their hands, bless their home. Father, bless them in their day-to-day activities. Lord, I pray a special blessing upon them. Father, I pray for a special anointing to be upon them. God, you see that they have the heart of a servant. And so, Lord, I just pray that you would bless them as they minister. Bless them as they serve. Father, we thank you for them today. I pray a hedge of protection around them in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, would you stir that fire even hotter within their belly, we ask. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you. I prayed several years ago. When I was 14 years old, the Lord called me into full-time ministry. And I told the pastor that I was under at the time that the Lord had called me into full-time ministry. And I said, the Lord's called me to be a missionary. And he said, well, then we're going to pray that God sends you a husband. And I said, well, praise the Lord. Oh, God called me to be a missionary regardless. And so then as I got older, I traveled. I spent about 10 years traveling around the world, ministry in different countries. And that passion was always in my heart for the nations. But then I got to a point where that wasn't a possibility anymore. It just wasn't something that was going to work with my life and my schedule. And I said, God. You gave me a heart for the nations. And so then I came to victory and I said, God, you gave me a heart for the nations, but I'm in Frederick, Maryland. (laughs) We're in the country out here, right? At victory. So God, I want the nations. And the Lord reminded me of what he tells us in the book of Psalms. He said, ask of me and I I will give you the nations for your inheritance and the end of the earth. For your possession and so i started praying lord make victory christian center way out here on chicago Shifts town road make us a house for all nations make us a house for all nations and in the back of my mind i'm saying god i don't know how this is going to happen i don't know i don't know how this is going to happen but the lord has brought us families the lord has brought us people not just here but within our latino congregation as well you see the flags hanging from the back of the sanctuary god has brought us the nations but i believe that it's only the beginning i believe it's only the beginning and i would love to see the day that our sanctuary is surrounded by flags from the nations that god has brought to us so that we can pour into and we can send out amen Amen. Well, this morning, we're continuing our series on the fundamental truths of the Assemblies of God. we got one more after this week. One more left. And so we're going to start wrapping that series up. But today is a very significant fundamental. All of them are significant. But today, it really gives us something to kind of chew on, something to meditate on. And so we're going to review those 16 fundamental truths. And by the time we're done with this series, you guys will be ready to go start taking your classes and get your credentials through the Potomac Ministry Network because you've got the hardest part down. We've got all 16 fundamental truths memorized. So we're going to go through a 
review them very quickly this morning. The first fundamental truth of the Assemblies of God is the Scriptures inspired. And then we have the one true God, the deity of our Lord Jesus Christ, the fall of man, the salvation of man, the ordinances of the church, which are water baptism and communion. We have the baptism in the Holy Spirit, the initial physical evidence of the baptism in the Holy Spirit, sanctification, the church and its mission, the ministry, divine healing. We have the blessed hope, the millennial reign of Christ, and today we're looking at the judgment, right? That final judgment, the judgment seat of Christ. And so I put together a timeline for you this morning because I am a very visual learner. Anybody else a visual learner? You just, you got to see it, right? You can listen to it all day long, but until you see it, it just, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And so I hope that you can see these okay today. I, I want to kind of walk you through this timeline. We talked about it a little bit last week, but hopefully by seeing it, you can, you can visualize it a little bit more. And so we have the church age from Acts 28 until now. We're we are the church. We are living in that church age, and we know that the rapture, Jesus could come back for his church and for his bride at any moment, right? In the twinkling of an eye, scripture says, we're all going to be changed. How many of you are thankful? We're all going to be changed, right? So we are in the church age. We know that the tribulation, that seven years of tribulation is coming. And after that, Jesus is going to come back with his saints where we rule and reign with him for a thousand years. That's that millennial reign of Christ. Then there is the great white throne judgment in the new heavens and the new earth. Isn't it exciting when we look at the future of what God has planned for us. He didn't just drop us here on earth and say, okay, fend for yourselves, have fun. He had a plan. From the very beginning, from Genesis forward, he had a plan of redemption for us. And he's got a future plan for each and every one of us. And I'm so excited. And so before we go any further, I want us to unpack the judgment a little bit. Because there, I think, tends to be some confusion about the judgment and what's going to happen and when it's going to happen and how and why it's going to take place. So there are two judgments that we have to look forward to. There is, right, I mean, if you're looking forward to judgment, right, we have the judgment seat of Christ. That judgment is for us. That's for believers, okay? There's some scripture references there that we're going to get to in just a moment. That judgment seat of Christ is often referred to as the bema. We're going to unpack that word in a little bit as well. Then we have the great white throne judgments. That is for unbelievers, those who have not surrendered their heart and their life to Jesus. And so that judgment seat of Christ is referred to as the bema. It's the Greek word for the phrase judgment seat. And very literally, it has to deal with a seat, a raised place mounted by steps, a platform, a tribune, the official seat of the judge, and it refers specifically to the judgment seat of Christ. This is something that's going to take place after the rapture, but before that millennial reign of Christ. And so we're going to take a look at a few verses that pertain to the Bema this morning. You can turn with me or you can look on the screen in Romans chapter 14, verses 10 through 12. Scripture says, But as for you, why do you judge your brother or sister? Or you as well, why do you regard your brother or sister with contempt? 
For we will all, read that with me, for we will all appear before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, to me every knee will bow and every tongue will give praise to God. So then each one of us will give an account of himself to God. There is no escaping that judgment. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. And so you and I as believers, we have to give an account of this life that God has given us. We have to stand before Jesus. We have to answer to him for what it is that he's given us and what we've done with it. Were we faithful stewards of what God gave to us? Take a look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 11 through 15. Scripture says, For no one can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or straw, each one's work will become evident, for the day will show it, because it is to be revealed with fire, and the fire itself will test the quality of each one's work. If anyone's work which he has built on it remains, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss. But he himself will be saved, yet only so as through fire. That's where when people say you're saved by the skin of your teeth, right? I'm just getting into heaven just because I don't want to be in hell, right? I'm not going to do anything for the kingdom. I'm not going to do anything for Jesus. I don't know about you, but when I stand before Jesus, I want to hear well done. My good and faithful servant. I want to be able to look at Jesus and know that I did my best with everything that he gave to me. That I'm there because of who he is and because of his love. And I'm going to spend all of eternity worshiping around the throne because of how gracious he was to me in this yeah. life. Not just because I didn't want to burn for all of eternity. Yeah. Yeah. I want to be able to kneel at the foot of Jesus because I'm there to worship who he is. I can remember as a kid, any time I would hear about the judgment, you know, it was always a little kind of scary thinking about this judgment and this wrath of God that's going to be poured out. So I was always a little scared of it. But again, I'm a visual learner. And so I would always picture this conveyor belt. I mean, have you ever been to the airport, right? And you got to go through security. Hallelujah. And you've got to take everything off and put it in the bins. And it goes on the conveyor, goes under that x-ray machine, and it comes out on the other side. And hopefully you're, you're free and clear to go, right? And you got to put it all back on. And so as a kid, I always had this image in my mind of this conveyor belt, that when we got to heaven, we're all going to be standing in this line and all of our works are going to be put on this conveyor belt and dried through fire and that x-ray screen will be like this big TV screen that everybody's looking at. And I always was so scared. I thought, oh my goodness, what if, you know, what if something I've done comes up on there and it's terrible and the Lord, you know, everybody sees it. That was my impression as a kid of what was going to happen at the judgment seat. It's amazing where our imaginations can take us, isn't it? But essentially what's going to happen is our works are going to be tried through fire. And what comes out on the other side is what we've done for the Lord. What we've done for our King. 
Every deed that we've done will be measured. Was it done for the right reason? Did you do what you did for the glory of God or for the praise of man? Did you help that homeless man on the street? Because helping him is helping the least of these, and that's just like helping Jesus. Or did you do it because someone was watching and you wanted a pat on the back? Our deeds will be measured. They will be tried by fire. So everything in this life, every deed, every work, every word will be weighed and it will be judged. It will be revealed with fire. And if it remains, then you receive a reward. If it remains. C.T. Studd was a British missionary and he wrote a poem entitled, Only What's Done for Christ Shall Last. And I would encourage you, if you have the time, to go on and look up the poem. There are many stanzas to it, but there's one in particular that I wanted to share with you this morning. It says, only one life. That's how many we get. We get one. The still small voice gently pleads for a better choice, bidding these selfish aims to leave and to God's holy will to cleave. Only one life will soon be past. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only what is done in this life for Christ will last. Makes you think about your life a little bit, doesn't it? Now there's a lot of people out there who are doing good deeds just for the sake of doing good deeds. There are a lot of people out there who are doing good things just for the acknowledgement that they will receive here on earth. But what was it that Jesus said? Don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing, right? You help somebody on the street. If you take somebody a meal, if you pay somebody's bill, if you buy the person's coffee behind you in the Starbucks line, you don't have to make a public announcement about what you've done. Because your Father in heaven sees your good works, and he's the one who will reward you. Are you living for his approval or for men's applause? Listen to what 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 9 through 10 says. It says, therefore, we also have as our ambition, whether at home or absent, to be pleasing to him. Let me ask you this morning, is that your life's ambition? To be pleasing to Jesus? Not the next position that you're going to hold here on earth. Not the next rung on the ladder, the next step, the next promotion. Is your life's goal to be pleasing to the one who's given you life? Aspirations are great. They're wonderful. They keep us moving forward. But if that is our only goal in life, We've missed the mark. Our aim should be to please the one who has created us. That should be our ambition. And so in verse 10 of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive compensation for his deeds done through the body in accordance with what he has done, whether good or bad. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that we may receive compensation for deeds done through our body. There's an old joke about a gentleman who was walking through this valley. There were mountains on both sides of the valley and there was a church 
on each hill. There was a church on each side of him. And so as he walked through this valley on a Sunday morning, he could hear the congregation singing out as loud as they could. And so from one side of the mountain, the song echoed out from the congregation, will there be any stars in my crown? And as the gentleman kept walking, the church on the other side started singing, no, not one, no, not one. I don't know about you, but I like the old song that says, I'm going to wear a crown. Amen. When that trumpet sounds, we're going to wear a robe and a crown. Every deed that we have done on this earth is going to be tried. What remains will be rewarded. Hallelujah. There's a story about a, a young banker who was very wealthy. And so he was driving around one evening in his new BMW. He was driving through the mountains. I had to drive through some mountains yesterday. Pastor Debbie and John had to drive through some mountains. And I was gripping my steering wheel, coming down around some of those turns, saying, Jesus, please don't take me home yet. Just give me, just give me to Frederick. And so this man, he was driving his BMW through the mountains, but it was in the middle of a snowstorm. And so he rounded a very sharp curve, and when he did, he lost control of the vehicle. The vehicle slid into a deep ravine, and so he quickly unbuckled his seatbelt, opened the door, and jumped out. When he jumped out of the vehicle, the hinge of the door caught his shoulder, and it tore his arm off at the shoulder, but his life was spared. And so he's standing at the edge of this ravine, and he's crying, and this truck driver sees him standing there, and he pulls over. He said, sir, are you okay? And the banker said, my BMW is gone. My BMW is gone. He was so upset. His brand car had just been totally crashed. And the truck driver said, sir, I hate to tell you this, but you got more problems than the loss of your BMW. And he pointed to the gentleman's arm, at which point the gentleman looked down and realized that his watch was missing. And he said, my Rolex, my Rolex. <laughs> You know, we get caught up in a lot of things, don't we? We get caught up in a lot of things, and we can do the right things for the wrong reason. But I want to ask you this morning, how are you living your life in light of eternity? Because in that moment, it's not going to be about the loss of your car or your Rolex. It's not going to be about the loss of your possessions. You can't take any of it with you when you stand before Jesus. What you are going to be held accountable for is what you did with what he gave you. And when he opens that Lamb's book of life, is your name going to be found? Is your name going to be written there? Colossians chapter 3 and verse 2 tells us that we need to set our minds on things above. And I would challenge you today to set your mind on things above. Because if that is the mindset that you have, then everything that you do in this life is going to be geared toward pleasing Jesus. Would Jesus be pleased with this conversation? Would he be pleased with how I handled this situation? Would he be pleased with how I've been a steward of this or that or the other? That is your goal. Set your minds on things above and you will start living your life in light of eternity. Our treasure is laid up in heaven. 
And so the Bema is where believers are rewarded for their works here on earth. Every deed is tried by fire. And that's when we want to hear Jesus say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your rest. Doesn't that last phrase just sound heavenly? The joy of your rest. We need some rest this morning. Well done, my good and faithful servant. So if that's the Bema, the judgment seat of Christ, and what is that great white throne judgment that we hear about? Let's take a look at the book of Revelation, chapter 20, verses 11 through 15. Scripture says in verse 11, Then I saw a great white throne, and him who sat upon it, from whose presence earth and heaven fled, and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, the great and the small, standing before the throne, and the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged from the things which were written in the books according to their deeds. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them, and they were judged, each one of them, according to their deeds. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake. Take a look at Mark chapter 9, verses 43 through 48. Scripture says, if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life maimed than having your two hands and go to hell in the unquenchable fire. Think about that for a minute. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. If your foot is causing you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life without a foot than having your two feet be thrown into hell. And if your eye is causing you to sin, throw it away. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than having two eyes to be thrown into hell where the worm does not die and the fire is not extinguished. I can remember I was about 15 years old and I was sitting in a Sunday night service and I remember the pastor preaching a sermon on hell, and I never forgot it. It was so vivid. The picture that he painted of wailing and gnashing of teeth. And I can remember several from our youth group that night ran to the altar, Jesus, save me. Because the picture of that eternal torment had been forever ingrained in our minds. Hell is a very real place. And we live in a world where unbelievers and people say, I'll see you where? I'll see you in hell, right? I'm going to have a party there with my friends. Can I tell you this morning, it's going to be anything but Anything. Weeping, gnashing of teeth. The worm does not die and the fire is not extinguished. Let me ask you again this morning. Are you living your life in light of eternity? What was it that Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 22? He said, not everyone who says to me, 
Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Think about that. Not everybody that comes to church on Sunday morning raises their hands. Thank you, Jesus. Not everyone's going to enter into heaven. Jesus said, only he who does the will of my Father in heaven. And many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name drive out demons and perform miracles. Think about that. The people that you see in church, the pastors that you see, Proclaiming and doing things in Jesus' name. Jesus said, many will say to me. And then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. I never knew you. And that just kind of echoed through your, your body. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Those are not words. We want to hear when we stand before Jesus. But God has given us a choice. He has given us the ability to follow him. He's given us his redemption. We are not guaranteed tomorrow. We're not guaranteed an hour from now. We're not guaranteed this afternoon. We're not guaranteed this evening. Scripture says today is the day of salvation. And if you have not made your heart and your life right with Jesus, then let today be that day. Do not leave this place. Do not turn off this live stream until you walk away with that blessed assurance that you know where you are going to spend all of eternity. Do not walk away until you have surrendered your heart and your life to Christ. And once you've surrendered your life to Jesus, don't stop there. Live your life in light of eternity. Live your life to please Him. Don't worry about pleasing people because the reality is you're not going to please everybody. It's just not going to happen. That's just not reality. You can't please all the people all the time. Jesus is the only one that you have to be worried about. Pastor Cody at a conference this weekend, he said, let's stop trying to impress people and just do our best for God. Let's just do our best for Jesus. Doesn't matter what anybody else says. Doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. I'm just going to do my best for Jesus. Because at the end of the day, when I stand before the throne, that's the only thing that's going to matter. What did I do with my life? Did I live my life in light of eternity? As we said earlier, there's no escaping judgment day. We will all stand before Jesus one day. It's either going to be for him to read your name from the Lamb's book of life and reward you for what you did to build his kingdom here. Or you're going to stand before him and he's going to say, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I don't know you. The choice is yours. One way or another, you will stand before God. There's no escape. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27 says this. It says, And just as it is destined for people to die once, after this comes the judgment. It will happen. It is coming. The question is, will you be prepared for it? 
In Revelation chapter 22 and verse 12, Jesus said, Behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me to render to every man according to what he has done. Friends, Jesus is coming. He is coming quickly, and his reward is with him. Will you be ready when he returns? How are you living your life in light of eternity? On April 14, 1912, at about 10 o'clock in the evening, the RMS Titanic sank. It, it crashed into an iceberg in the middle of the North Atlantic. Very quickly, the ship went down, carrying hundreds to their death. There was a woman who was in a lifeboat and before they had lowered it down into the water, she asked if she could just run back to her room. She got three minutes. I got, I got three minutes. Can I just go? I just need to go to my room and, and grab something. And so she hurries down the corridors. The boat, you can imagine, it's tilting. It is sinking. It is being pulled down under that ice, those icy waves. She's running through this ship. This woman could have grabbed anything that she wanted to take with her in those three minutes that she had to get back in that lifeboat. I'm sure there were all kinds of jewels, all kinds of china, all kinds of silver. Everybody's room was free game, right? She'd take anything she wanted. So in her estate room where all of her treasures were there waiting to be taken, she runs in and she grabs three oranges. And she heads back to her lifeboat. She could have taken anything she wanted. But in those final moments before death, the reality of what was important suddenly changed. Treasures didn't matter. She had stored them up, and they were sinking to the depths of the sea an hour earlier. Naturally, she would have chosen her diamonds. She would have chosen her money. She would have chosen her jewels, but it had no meaning for her because you see, in the face of death, our values change, don't they? Our perception changes. We can see more clearly. And so if you have trusted Jesus as your Savior, then how you view your life now in light of eternity looks a whole lot different than what it would have if you have not surrendered your heart and your life to him. Your values should be much clearer than the unsaved around you each and every day because you have to realize that you are living your life in light of eternity. That one day you are going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. You get to make the choice. Are you going to hear, well done, enter into the joy of your rest? Or are you going to hear, depart from me? I don't know who you Think about spending your entire life believing that you're saved, going to church every Sunday because it's what mom and dad, it's what grandma always did. You go through all the motions, you say all the right words, you attend every discipleship class, every Sunday school, every small group, every prayer meeting, but never truly had a relationship with Jesus. Never truly confess with your mouth that he's Lord. That's part of it. God, I 
I know who I am in light of who you are. I know that I'm a sinner, but I believe that I can be a sinner saved by grace because you paid my debt when you sent your son to Calvary. And I know that you didn't stay there, that three days later you rose from that tomb so that I could have eternal life. God, help me to live my life in light of eternity. I want to serve you while I'm here. I want to be a faithful steward of what you've given to me. It's not just your finances, friends. It's your time, your talents, your family. God, help me to live my life in light of eternity. And so if you haven't surrendered your heart and your life to Jesus, I beg of you to search your heart today. Search your heart today and make the decision before it is eternally too late. With every head bowed and every eye closed as The word of God is very clear about what is coming. And for believers, it is a joy that is unspeakable. Something that we can dream about, something that we can hope for when we'll be reunited with loved ones who have gone before us to spend eternity with Jesus. for those who have never placed their trust in him. It should cause you to shake with fear, to tremble at the very thought of what hell is going to be like. Because if that is where you are spending eternity, there is no escape. When God closed the door of the ark, that was it. The people had been given an opportunity. They had been given a chance. Noah spoke. The rain is coming. The rain is coming. He preached 120 years. He spent building this ark because God said that it was going to spare him and his family. And so he preached and he wanted to take as many with him as he could, but nobody wanted to listen. They thought, Noah, you're crazy preacher, man. What do you know? What are you talking about? I've got time. You need to worry about that. But the hand of God came and it closed the door of the ark. The day is coming when you will not be able to make that decision to follow Jesus. And so I ask you today, every head bowed and every eye closed, if you have not surrendered your heart to Jesus, would you do it today? God, I know I'm a sinner. I know I've messed up. I know I've made mistakes. I'm far from perfect. But Jesus, you came in my place. You loved me enough to take all of that, all of my guilt, all of my shame to Calvary's cross. And you paid a debt that I could never afford to pay. You gave me life. 
so today I ask you to come into my life. Would you forgive me of my sin? Would you wash me and make me white as snow? Would you cleanse me from all unrighteousness? Would you clothe me in your robes of righteousness today? I thank you for saving me. God, I ask that you would guide me. Help me walk this journey until I stand before you. Where the angels rejoice. Where one person surrenders their life to Jesus. Just imagine the celebration that we're going to be part of for all of eternity joining the saints around the throne, joining the angels crying out, holy, 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 holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and who is and is to come. Jesus, I thank you today that you've given us a promise I thank you, Lord, that you have given us the choice. You've given us the option. You didn't force us to love you. You gave us a choice. You showed us how much you cared. You showed us how much you loved us. And so, God, today we want to choose to follow you. We want to choose to love you. We want to choose to serve you you. So Lord, I pray in these last days, Father, in these last moments that we have here this morning, Jesus, would you help us? God, find us faithful. We surrender all that we are to you today. Father, everything that we set our hands to do, God, we commit it to you this morning. We want to store up our treasures in heaven. So God, would you help us today? Would you transform our minds, transform our thought process, so that we would truly live life in light of eternity? Because Jesus, we want to stand before you. And we want to hear those words. Well done. Well done. God, I thank you this morning for your love and your forgiveness. Lord, I ask that the reality of what is yet to come would be fixed on so that with every word, with every deed, with every action, God, with every step that we take, we would be doing it for your kingdom and for your glory. Jesus, would you help us today? Would you help us live for you? We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your strength. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Why are you doing this morning?
sobering thought of what is yet to come. But I assure you it is well worth your time to think about how, where you are going to spend eternity. Amen? God bless you. Thank you for listening to Victor Christian Center's audio podcast. We look forward to connecting with you on our social media or at FCCFMD.com.